stop in the name of love. <laughs> but no need to stop here because you've arrived at the right place. This is episode 197 of Tennis Podcast. Every week, either myself or my sidekick host bring a top 10 list on anything from any genre. The other person does not know what that list is ahead of time, and they try to guess items 1 through 10, along with you, the folks at home. This week's sidekick host is the returning, she's a regular at this point, Dr. Shiloh. How's it going? Hey, it's going well. I can't believe you're almost at 200 episodes. I know. Today's 197, so 200 is just around the corner, and it is. we do have something special planned for that. Can't wait. So stay tuned. Can't wait. Dr. Shiloh, many of the listeners will be familiar with you at this point, but give us like a 20-second reminder of who you are. Sure. I co-host a podcast with my sidekick host, Dr. Scott, <laughs> and we host LA Not So Confidential. It's a true crime and forensic psychology podcast. So we are forensic psychologists. Are you sure he's the sidekick host? <laughs> I don't know. He talks a lot. So <laughs> if we're going just off of that. <laughs> I don't think it goes by ratio of vocal share. No. I think it's by just like who's kind of subservient to the other. Oh, oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I can tell you I definitely wear the pants in that uh, platonic <laughs> relationship between a gay man and a straight woman. <laughs> And he'd agree with that. So, okay. I don't know. Yes. I love Dr. Scott. Someday I got to get him on here. I know. You really should. He would be a blast to have on here. And he would come with some like completely obscure list of something <laughs> unexpected. So, yeah. But on that, I'm bringing the list this time, which I gave you shit about last time that I was never going to do all your work for you. <laughs> yes. This is now your third time here, but your first time bringing the list. Yeah. I am dying of curiosity. So Ooh. please tell me, what is your list? Ooh, that's almost a little segue when you said you're dying of curiosity. Okay. But I can tell you it does not have to do with psychology, does not have to do with crime. A fun fact you might not know about me is that I'm a little bit of a prepper. So as much as a like suburban mom can be a prepper, but I do work in downtown Los Angeles. So I have to think about things like earthquakes and how am I going to make yeah. it home and stuff like that. So my list comes out of that. It was burst out of that fun fact about me. And I am bringing you today the best natural disaster movies. I knew it. I am taking my list from a Rotten Tomatoes list that was the best disaster movies. However, I plucked out the natural disasters, which in my opinion are the only good ones. I'm a sucker for natural disaster films. You could say these are the most critically acclaimed natural disaster films ever made. Yeah. So let's get into that definition a little bit because okay. sure. <laughs> I, want, I want you to take some notes here of what you're working with and okay. try to make your guesses. Hashtag Nick's notes. Yes, yes, yes. So a natural disaster is, I'm just giving you a definition, mm -hmm. the negative impact following an actual occurrence of a natural hazard in the event that it significantly harms a community. So examples of natural hazards are avalanche, coastal flooding, cold wave, drought, earthquake, hail, heat wave, hurricane or tropical cyclone, if you want to get specific, ice storm, landslide, lightning, wow. strong winds, tornadoes, tsunami, tsunamis, tsunamis, <laughs> and... Tsunami is like the mom of the tsunami. <laughs> yes. Volcanic activity, wildfire, and winter weather. So that's what we're talking about Hang here. Hang on, did, did you, you missed one. 
Dr. Buster booty clapping usually results in well, aftershock that can be felt. Okay. Okay. I mean, natural is, is it all natural? I don't know about that booty. I mean, <laughs> there's surgeries for that. You know, I've gotten a good look at that booty and I <laughs> cannot confirm that okay. it's natural. I mean, it probably is, but I can't confirm it. Okay. Okay. Well, unless he says otherwise, let's just go with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, here are things that are not included on this list. Movies about fires, because I thought that's boring, mm. whatever. Like, that happens yeah. all the time, right? That's, that's not going to... So no backdrop. That's not going to make me grab my go bag and start walking home from L.A. Nothing with aliens is on this list. So there's no Independence Day. Those are natural beings from other no. planets. Sorry. Sorry. Uh-uh. Did not make the cut wow. for this list. Fun, please. Nor are there, and I know this might be controversial, nor are there anything about diseases. So no contagion. Hmm. We're talking natural hazards, natural disasters, as in those things that like I listed climate off. disasters. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So I love these films for so many reasons, but I thought I would give you a, some natural disaster movie tropes that we typically see. Yeah. Because <laughs> this also makes them so awesome. They can be just as cheesy as they are emotionally stirring and impactful. So I thought it would be fun to go through some of these. So one natural disaster movie trope is what they call the eight deadly words. Huh. So if there are characters who are especially dull or annoying in a film, <laughs> the audience may decide, quote, I don't care what happens to these people. And those are the eight deadly oh, words. I've definitely said that. I've definitely said that. <laughs> or you're like, okay. please, can this person just die quickly? Yes. Generally, the viewers are introduced to a very large cast in these types of films. And that large cast solely exists for people to be killed off in various ways in the disaster mm -hmm. and its side effects. So that's one trope we see. There's also the trope of Hollywood science, where the writers of the film sort of hmm. step outside the bounds of known science by applying you know, a rare element or new sort of math formula that magically springs up to circumvent the normal rules. Yeah. And oftentimes there's the character that's like the techno wizard to help explain how it all works. <laughs> yeah. So we see You're that a lot. You're describing, like, I can see this guy in my head. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. He's got like short okay. sleeves and a tie and glasses. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Balding usually. Yep, yep, yep. We also have the relationship salvaging disaster trope. So uh -huh. there's two characters who used to be friends or lovers, but now they aren't on speaking terms and the odds don't look good that they'll patch things up on their own. But fortunately, the plot's on their side because some disaster happens and the characters come back together as a result. Right. Well, I know that there's really nothing more romantic than stepping over the dead bodies of the community <laughs> you're a part of that have been taken out by this natural disaster right. in route to embracing your, your soulmate. Right. And usually there's, you know, like a child in common, they're divorced and they have to save their children, that sort of thing. Yes. There's also what they call the Cassandra truth. So this trope is basically when no one believes the person trying to alert them to the pending doom yeah, and destruction. Yeah, yeah. So this trope comes from Cassandra from classical mythology. So Apollo granted her the gift of prophecy. But she then stirred his wrath by refusing his advances. So Apollo, <laughs> the misogynist he was, couldn't revoke his own gifts. So he cursed Cassandra so that her prophecies were always true, but never believed. So that's where that comes from. Oh. 
<laughs> Do you think b- back in the time that these gods were created? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Apollo, when they're creating these gods and they make that backstory, is Apollo the good guy or the bad guy there? Like, are the men of the time being like, you know, she's not putting out enough, so yeah, no, Apollo, let's show her what's what. No, because there were goddesses also, right? So yeah. it's, you have, it, it's interesting, my kid is studying Greek mythology right now and explaining so many things to me that I never knew behind some of these sayings, like Pandora's box. And, you know, it's yeah. just really interesting. I, but I don't know. I'm guessing there was still like patriarchy, even though they gave some goddesses mm-hmm. some titles. Yeah. I don't know. Sounds about right. Okay. So not a trope, but what I need in my disaster movies is I want it to have me choked up and fighting back tears at some point. And I don't know if I like this about this because it's not easy to make me cry. I don't want to cry. But when I watch... You just said you want to cry. I know, but I want to be like on the verge of crying if anyone tries to talk to me while I'm watching the movie. Okay. (laughs) So very specific phase of the crying process is where you want to be. Yes, yes. This is how much I'm into these movies. Like it better have me on the verge of crying for it to get top approval for me. So... So what I have in front of me is I have, I'm capping this list at nine. So it's the top nine. Mm -hmm. I have the top nine off of this Rotten Tomatoes list. I have the top 20 in front of me. So if you guess some others, I'll have them. Sure. I also have Shiloh's top nine (laughs) to kind of compare and contrast. Your personal favorite. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's the one I want to hear. Yeah. If some guesses are made on either of those, I'll tell you a bit about them, why I think they're great. Okay. There's no fucking Sharknados on this list. So what? please don't go there. I thought you said this was the best, most critically acclaimed <laughs> movies. Did you not say don't that? Don't go there. I knew you were going to right off the top try and Sharknado this. And there's like <laughs> 12 of them. So that would take up all the spots. But there's others too. I can't even think of an example, but there's <laughs> oh, other there's animals horrible that are ones. Yeah. like mated with natural disasters to create a super natural, natural disaster. Yeah. 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 With that, I guess we could get started. Real quick, before I start guessing, I have to give the listeners, actually I want you to give the listeners a little more context on your prepper (laughs) personality and like what led to this? How are you prepping Mm. currently? Mm. Anything you want to say about that? Sure. What led to this? Well, I live in earthquake country. So I know you and I have talked about that before because there's quite a few earthquakes in Oklahoma. Correct. Surprising, but... No one really knows that. Yeah. I actually heard, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that Oklahoma has more earthquakes than California. They're just all minor quakes that right, no one right. hears about. Yeah. Yeah. So earthquakes have been a part of my life forever. I've found them completely fascinating. I think geology, I was very, very interested in as a kid and contemplated studying that for a while. So I think that's a little piece of it. But being also that I'm former law enforcement. I think just being prepared is part of my nature in whether it's just situational awareness, walking into somewhere new, or feeling like I want to have control over kind of (laughs) if the worst thing should happen. So uh, my mind is kind of set to that radio dial already. I can say that I was like that before the pandemic, but definitely the pandemic had me rethink how long can my family survive if we were just at our home with what we have? So I did step it up a bit, you know, as we all had a little bit of extra time on our hands. I went back, read through my prepper's handbook for families that I had, 
mm-hmm. did my calculations with my water, got rid of old stock um, in our, our food. But I'm not like one of those people on TikTok that has like an underground bunker with a full grocery you. store yeah. or anything like that down there. No. I mean, I have an extra refrigerator, freezer, and some shelves with some canned goods and lighting equipment, uh, solar equipment, emergency first aid stuff, uh, lanterns, like... Lanterns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like LED lanterns. Buy them on Amazon. They're great. And our power went out earlier this year for about 20 hours. (laughs) I was so excited to bust out some of our stuff. (laughs) You want something to bring this prepping, like make it all worthwhile. Yeah. No, but I was just like, okay, this is like putting it into context. Let's do this. Well, it's funny you said like you reevaluated like how much food does your family have to survive? Like if you were stuck there. And I think for my family, it'd be like two and a half days. So I think I might need to (laughs) reevaluate things. We could probably go two weeks, which makes me feel comfortable. Yeah. And I, I, at work, I have a backpack with change of clothes. I could live in my office for probably three days. I also have directions printed out that if the roads are broken because it's a massive earthquake, I can, I have a route to home that I can walk home. That's smart. So, you know, to that extent, that's probably where I'm at, but definitely not as prepped as some people out there. (laughs) You're not as prepped as some people, but you are more prepped than me and many other people. So that's something. And when the zombie apocalypse comes, Mm -hmm. I will head to your house. Please do. We have (laughs) lots of ammo and plenty of firearms. Not that I'm one of (laughs) those people (laughs) either. But, you know, we have some very well-trained people in my family and we're good. You'll shoot the zombies for me. Oh, we already know which neighbors were taken out right off the bat. And uh, <laughs> the Vietnam vet that lives across the street, he's cool. He can come over, help us out. Uh-huh. We'll feed him. He knows how to handle a weapon. But, but... See, you can't keep inviting all these people over because now no, this no, no. two-week food supply is dwindling. He's the only one. The rest, sorry. And me. <laughs> and you, please. Dr. Scott said he will come on down. He has a big spice rack that he's going to bring with him as his contribution. (laughs) (laughs) And his husband's a phenomenal cook. So we'll... We're set. You and I have to talk offline about what you bring to the table as your Mm. talent to the group. (laughs) I have a lot of top 10 list notes I can print and bring to pass the time. (laughs) Okay. That's important. Passing the time. Could have a real life, non-recorded tennis podcast. Yes. Yes. Have people guess. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, speaking of guessing, let's get right to it. These are the most critically acclaimed natural disaster films, even though they don't include aliens. Yep. Um, So is it really a list? I'll let the listeners decide. Um, Okay. So I'm going to guess this one. You meant when you're going through all those tropes, I was checking each of those off in this movie. Mm. I don't think this is number one. I'm going to guess it's the back half of the top nine. And that is San Andreas starring listener of the show, The Rock. Ooh, San Andreas. So San Andreas is number seven on the list. Did I know it or did I know it? It is, are you ready for this? Number one on Shiloh's list. What? Number freaking one. Now, does the tropes help it? The tropes help (laughs) raise it up or does it hurt for you? For me, it helps because it makes it just classic Mm -hmm. disaster film with those tropes. But for me, this has a lot of Shiloh's check marks of, <laughs> I love when it's in Los Angeles or it takes place in California right, because you true. see these 
landmarks and these things that you know, and they're just crumbling. And especially this one, because the wife (laughs) of this trope, right, is in downtown LA. Mm-hmm. And he has to come rescue her off the top of a high rise. In a helicopter. In a helicopter. So my husband is a helicopter pilot. And I said, <laughs> I will be freaking waiting for you on the top of that. <laughs> <laughs> on the top of that uh, high rise one day. I just picture him as, you know, Dwayne Johnson instead. But yeah. Anyway, let's, let's talk the about. With a bag in the helicopter. With him. Yes. Yes. A go bag. So San Andreas was a 2015 film starring Dwayne Johnson, Carla Gugino, and Alexandria Daddario, which I'm sure a lot of the fellas out there are familiar with and like a lot. She plays the daughter daughter? of these two. Yes, yes. So it had a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, that's so sad. And it's the seventh highest ever? And it's 48%? That's like clutching my pearls. I cannot believe this is <laughs> so sad. It brought in $155 million at the box office, which I'm surprised that seems really low. That has to be domestic only, right? It has to be domestic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's the tagline. I have the tagline for most of these because I think they're okay. hilarious. The tagline is, Ever have one of those days? (laughs) No. Pray you don't. (laughs) So the plot is a seemingly ideal day turns disastrous when California's notorious San Andreas Fault triggers a devastating magnitude nine earthquake, the largest in recorded history. And as the earth cracks open and buildings start to crumble, Ray Gaines, an L.A. fire department search and rescue helicopter pilot, must navigate the destruction from Los Angeles to San Francisco to bring his estranged wife and their only daughter to safety. So we have a couple of Mm -hmm. the tropes right there. Right there. Critics say that San Andreas has a great cast and outstanding special effects, but amidst all the senses shattering destruction, the movie's characters and plot proves less than structurally sound. Look, I saw it and I enjoyed it. I had fun while I watched it. Okay. But it did not stand out to me as like, oh, I'm going to make sure to rewatch this, you know, every few years or something. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, it has the all-time beefiest firefighter. Check. (laughs) All-time. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Major California landmarks being demolished. Check. Which you love California, yeah. so okay. <laughs> but to, weird that you love to see the destruction. Yeah, sure. it's like a it's a parallel universe that, and that's yeah. that's what I think. Okay, let's get into the psychology of this. Sitting on your couch and be able to watch all of this destruction in a safe space mm-hmm. and right. go, oh my god, those are crazy effects. But then I get to cozy up and like get into my bed and you know wake up and go to work the next day. That is a piece of what makes these so alluring. Yeah, the parallel universe aspect of it is like, this was what could happen, but it's not going to happen to me or in my lifetime. Although, as I discussed with Brad Choma on our episode about the impending natural disasters, San Andreas Fault Line is a very real thing. Oh, yeah. uh, That someday we will feel the effects of that. But Absolutely. And I also love there's the parallel story of the daughter and she's teamed up with a couple other kids trying to save themselves on their own journey. And She's Mm -hmm. a bit of a prepper because her dad kind of taught her some of these tricks and things to do and how to get radio communication. And overall, it's just a huge blockbuster. It's so visually stimulating. I think it's a great, great film. I mean, I would definitely, this to me has everything encapsulated in it and I would go back and watch it over and over again. I'm pretty sure there's a sequel that's planned. I can't wait. 
it. That makes me so excited. Yeah. Is there a late state on that? Do you have that up right now? <laughs> Hang on. Now I got to look. I got to I gotta ask for a vacation time to go see that. <laughs> By the way, so it grows 474 million worldwide. So okay. the number you that quoted must have been way more accurate. Yeah. All right. Uh, sequel. In November 2021, Johnson announced they are still developing a sequel. In December, mm. they confirmed that Warner Brothers wants a sequel. Delayed development in favor. So it sounds like a sequel is planned. Being but talked about, maybe. Yeah, being talked about. Yeah, yeah. So I expect we'll see one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, great guess. Thank you. Yeah. For another great guess. Let me give you another great guess. If you thought that one was great, <laughs> check this out. Okay. Here we go. When I think of a natural disaster movie, the first one I always think of is The Day After Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to guess mm-hmm. that's number four. The Day After Tomorrow, good film, not on my list. It's number 11. It's number outside 11. the top 10. Yeah, yeah. So that came out in 2004. Um, mm-hmm. That's the one with Dennis Quaid, Jake Gyllenhaal, Emmy Rossum. I mean, good people. Yeah. So, of course, Dennis Quaid is a climatologist. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> not a big leap, really. It's, it's very natural for him. He's largely ignored by UN officials when presenting his environmental concerns. And there's basically an enormous superstorm that is coming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good flick, I would say. It is, yeah, I liked it is it. definitely a good one. But it's, if I recall, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but it did the thing where like weather patterns were happening in non non typical places, like New York yes. was getting tornadoes, stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool to see. Yeah. Okay, so no day after tomorrow. Nope. With about 200 episodes of Tennis Podcast and counting, it can be overwhelming to know which episode to listen to next. I get it. I got you. That's why we created the Tennis Podcast Episode Guide. It's a quick and easy way to find the next best Tennis Pod episode for you. It groups episodes by topic. So if you're in the mood for true crime, then you can easily navigate to that section that has all of our true crime related episodes in one convenient place. We have dozens of categories like this, including episodes relating to animals, history, food, movies, and more. But what if you're looking for a specific discussion from a past episode and you can't remember which episode it was? Well, we have a tool for that too. The Tennis Podcast episode guide features a transcription search, which means you can input a phrase or word, hit search, and it will return the exact timestamp from the episodes that mention that word or phrase. In fact, every episode on our website features a full interactive transcript. So, which episode will you listen to next? Go to tennispod.com episode dash guide to get started, or check the show notes for a direct link. That's tennispod.com episode dash guide. What about the movie, the classic? with John Cusack, 2012. 2012 is not in their top 10. It's actually number 13, but it's my Mm. number eight. Okay. Again, about climate change. So this one is where Earth's billions of inhabitants are unaware that the planet has an expiration date, essentially, is how they put it. Yeah, yeah. So with the warnings, again, of American scientists World leaders begin secret preparations for the survival of select members of society. So that's kind of a cool piece to some of these films. And I'm sure that's real, by the way. Oh, 
100%, where you get a little alert on your phone or you get some sort of heads up that we have a helicopter right to whisk you off to some bunker. All that alert says is time to fucking go. Time to yep. go. Yep. Yeah. There's another movie I'm going to guess later that plays into that as Has well. That. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So also, I agree. It's my number eight. So yeah. I like that one a lot. John Cusack can do no wrong. Oh, really. I love John Cusack. He's made some odd choices lately, but overall, <laughs> big fan. All right. What else do you got? Do you even like disaster movies? We didn't ask what you're like. I like disaster movies. I don't like specifically seek them out or like fangirl over them, but I do <laughs> like them. I've seen plenty of them. So th this one might actually be pretty high on the list. It's recent mm. and it's a Netflix original film that I enjoyed and it's Don't Look Up. Don't look up. Number yes. two. Don't look up. Number two. Okay. okay it's actually number five oh, on their list. And it That's is number seven on Shiloh's list. So don't look up. Came out last year. Yeah, 20, last yes. December, okay. I, I was questioning myself. Yes. December 2021. So it had a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Really? Okay. Again, not great. Like one through four have good rankings and then mm -hmm. it kind of goes downhill after that. So this stars Jennifer Lawrence, Leonardo DiCaprio, Rob Morgan, Meryl Streep is the president, Jonah Hill, Kate Blanchett, Tyler Perry, like a huge, huge blockbuster cast. <laughs> Their tagline is based on truly possible events. <laughs> I like that, though. I like that. Me tagline. too. Yeah. Me too. Let me read the plot and then I want to ask you like why you liked this one, okay. because I think it was really unique. So Kate... Diabaski is an astronomy grad student and her professor, Dr. Randall Mindy, make an astounding discovery of a comet orbiting within the solar system. The problem, it's on a direct collision course with Earth. The other problem, no one really seems to care. So turns out warning mankind about a planet killer the size of Mount Everest is an inconvenient fact to navigate. With the help of Dr. Oglethorpe, Kate and Randall embark on a media tour that takes them from the office of an indifferent President Orlean and her psychopathic son <laughs> and chief of staff. He stole the show, I thought. He did. Mm -hmm. To the airways of the Daily Rip, an upbeat morning show hosted by Bree and Jack. With only six months until the comet makes impact, managing the 24-hour news cycle and gaining the attention of the social media obsessed public before it's too late proves shockingly comical. What will it take to get the world to just look up? So critics said, Don't Look Up aims too far high for its scattershot barbs to consistently land. Hmm. But Adam McKay's star-studded satire hits its target of a collective denial square on. So why did you like this one? Yeah, so you said some of it there. I love the commentary, the social commentary on like even this meteor that's going to hit Earth and kill everyone. Yep. It's not going to pick who it kills. It's going to kill everyone. That is politicized to where, you know, don't look up is the slogan of the, I don't know what you'd call them, the truthers, I guess, that yeah. are accepting of this meteor. And the rest of the people are saying, or the, no, they're saying look up. The don't look up people are saying, don't worry about that meteor. They're just yeah. trying to scare you. And so I love that part of it. And I also love that, well, I guess, well, it's, I love the ending. It's a spoiler, so I won't say Same. exactly what happens, yeah. but I love how I that plays out. I love the cutscene after the credits as well. Uh-huh. Now, as a criticism, I think there was a lot going on in the movie, especially maybe that's what the critic consensus about Scattershot was cuz like you yeah. have this whole dynamic with Leo and his wife and like stuff that kind of just distracted from the thing. 
But overall, I'd call it one of my favorite movies in this genre. And I think everyone should go watch it if you haven't. Yeah, I thought it was so different. But you're kind of watching it like laughing because it's hysterical, but you're kind of like, uh, this mm-hmm. is pretty real. Like, yeah, very <laughs> you real. Know, it felt uncomfortably real, but I thought it was pretty profound for how just ridiculous our world is right now. It reminded me not to like go dark with this, but it reminded me of politics around like school shootings. Totally. Where like one side is like looking around being like, hello, is no one else seeing what's happening? Let's do something yeah. about this. And the other yeah. side is saying, no, no, they're trying to scare you. Everything's fine. Yeah. Guns aren't the problem. It's this or that. And it reminded me of that. And maybe that's intentional. But there's some real world today stuff going on that, that is reflected in the movie as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought it was spot on. It was a good sort of uh, later in the pandemic watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to take us out of that for a moment. But at the same time, if you sort of sat and thought about it too long, it, it got a little yeah, deep. Could be overwhelming. <laughs> Real life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good guess. Thank you. Good movie. So let me think here. There was a movie. I can't remember the name, but it's like an 80s movie. It's about an earthquake. I haven't seen it, but I remember okay. it because me and Brandon did a worst movie taglines bonus episode one time and it was on <laughs> That's there. Right. So I don't remember the name, but... This might be what you're thinking of. So I'm going to put it out there, but it's a 1974 movie oh, just Fort called Jesus. Earthquake. Oh, I think that is it. Yeah. What's the yes. tagline? Do you have so, it? Oh, I do. <laughs> An event. <laughs> That's dot, it. Dot, dot. <laughs> That's it. Nope. That doesn't pass the sniff test, fam. That's it. That's it. Of course it's a fucking event. <laughs> Me waking up in the morning is an event. Me putting my shoes on is an event. Well, if you're woken up by an earthquake. <laughs> Everything's an event. That doesn't mean anything. So this is number eight on the list, actually. Okay. And I'm so glad that you and I had to reschedule this because I actually got to watch all of the ones that I had not seen. And this oh. was one of them. Okay. So it's 1974. It is so 70s. It's <laughs> really like, it's perfect for that. Like, it's different from all these others because of this. But it stars Charlton Heston, Ava Gardner, Mm, and George Kennedy. The plot is that when a major earthquake hits Los Angeles, the various residents of the city cope with the chaos and destruction. Successful architect Stuart Graff, who's Charlton Heston, argues with his demanding wife as the disaster hits. Later, I have to tell you about a scene there, but yes, later when he checks in on his flirtatious friend, they begin an affair. Oh, baby, (laughs) you didn't tell me that the the biggest fireworks. And destruction was the marriage of the main character. Oh, yeah. As the personal drama continues, the city is threatened by aftershocks and possibly even greater quakes. So, yeah, there's this great scene where they're having an argument in the morning. They live up in the Hollywood Hills and he's trying to leave for work. And she fakes that she overdoses on a bunch of pills and is like laying on the bed. And he calls a friend. He's like, oh, she's done it again. This damn woman. (laughs) Yep, we've all been there. And he goes, yeah, I know how to induce throwing up or something like that. And like, he's just, you know, this happens every other week or something. He's just going to do that. And then an earthquake happens and she wakes up. Well, doesn't wake up. She just sits up and is like, oh, shit, what's happening? He's like, ah, I knew you were faking. That's what women do. Women be shopping and women be faking overdoses, right? Right. I mean, the 70s, man. Come on. How are the effects, though? That's what I want to know. So, I'm not going to lie. I think for the time, they were really good. 
they're either really big sets or yeah. those little model, like scale model, like towns and stuff. Right. Like in Godzilla. Yeah. For no CGI. I mean, it wasn't bad. So, I mean, the movie's a little slow. It's just kind of like one earthquake and then a few like aftershocks and people just trying to navigate their way through the city. But yeah, it, it, it was okay. It's good for like a campy 70s film, I think. Do you think it leans into the camp or is it just campy in retrospect? No, I think it's, it's totally retrospect. Okay. My mom was like, oh, I remember that movie. It was great. <laughs> I'm like, well, you maybe should go back and watch it. The critics' consensus says the destruction of Los Angeles is always a welcome sight. Wow. A little bit of snark there. Jeez. Wow, hot take. But Earthquake offers a little besides big actors slumming through crumbling sets. Slumming through crumbling. <laughs> wow, okay. I know. A fun fact that the United Artists Theater in Chicago, Illinois, was forced to shut off the surround sound speakers when they showed this film because small pieces of plaster from the ceiling were falling on the audience members. What? And it was freaking them out that a real earthquake was happening. Oh, my God. And because the sound was so big that it made yes. it fall off the ceiling? Okay. I guess it was one of the first times they were putting surround sound up there and trying it out on this earthquake film. And then also, in a bizarre coincidence, the location on the first day of shooting was there actually an earthquake happened in Los Angeles that day. Mm. Even more bizarre, which people talk about like cursed films, on the very last day of shooting, there was also an earthquake. But I didn't look at like how big those were because mm. we probably have earthquakes every day here. So that's true. Yeah. Not surprising. It's probably a couple of earthquakes happened since we started recording. I mean, it's an event, Nick. It is it's an, an event. event. The plaster falling from the ceiling was more of an event than the fucking movie, it sounds like. <laughs> For sure. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Good guess. Yeah. Number eight. So I have kind of an off the wall guess that I thought about while we were talking. I don't know if this is on your radar. Uh, this is the end. Seth Rogen movie. I'm pretty sure oh. that's... Oh, you know what? That's... I think that's like the rapture, like a biblical rapture, actually. I think it is. Yeah. Let me see if it's, it's not in the top 20 of ones on I'm there. I'm remembering a huge devil with a giant winky at the end. So that's probably that's not right. natural. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. So weird that that's the part you remember. <laughs> Pretty clearly. But This Is The End gives you an idea that it's like a disaster. Yeah. Okay. Not on the list. Yeah. Let me think here. Is there any other 70s films? No, there is not. 80s? No, I don't believe so. Okay. I think they're all 90s and after. Okay. Yep. 90s and after. What came out in the 90s about disasters? So you can go through like, okay, what are the different disasters? Earthquakes, tornadoes. Yeah. Volcanoes. Oh, Twister. Twister's on there. Twister. All right. So Twister is number four on the list. Knew it. And Twister is my number nine. Classic. Yes. Super, super classic. Oklahoma, I think. Yeah, I have some fun facts about Oklahoma okay. on this. So Twister was released in 1996. Box office was $241 million. That's big. Yeah, so this one got a 63% of on Rotten Tomatoes. You can stream this on HBO Max. This stars Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton, rest in peace, Carrie Elwes, Jamie Gertz, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, oh, wow. what a cast yeah. in the 90s, It's been right? so long since I've seen this. I, like, I barely even remember it. So good. It was written by acclaimed writer Michael Crichton yep. of Jurassic Park. And the tagline is, the dark side of nature. <laughs> okay. So... 
The plot here is during the approach of the most powerful storm in decades, university professor Dr. Joe Harding and an underfunded team of students prepare the prototype for Dorothy, which is their brown great brown brown what? A groundbreaking. Oh, groundbreaking. Okay. <laughs> tornado data ga- gathering device conceived by her estranged hus- husband Bill. Basically, when they're about to launch this and trying to chase the storm, he is trying to find her to tell her that I need you to sign these divorce papers. And he's kind of Mm. moving on and has already found someone else that he's going to get married to. And then you have this rival of theirs who's played by Carrie Elwes, who's like their privately funded rival. He has all the black SUVs and they're trying to all come together to get to this major storm to see who can launch their technology first. And Bill ends up joining the team for one last mission when he's just really trying to get her to sign these divorce papers. But he's like, okay, I'll do this with you. So there's the trope. Brings them back together. Brings them back together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this one just has a classy, maybe not classy, classicness to it that it seems like many of the lists agree that this should just always be on there. Mm. The special effects for 1996. Really good. Quite good. Mm-hmm. The cast is really great. You have, there's, there's nothing more fun than like storm chaser nerds. And I don't know so, if that's true. Nothing more fun <laughs> than that, but uh, it's fun. But. In our film, in our films. Okay. So one of the, the fun facts is that the production bought eight blocks of houses in the old downtown area, Wakita, Oklahoma, for seven to $10,000 per house. That's right. And an additional 30 homes built by production were subsequently demolished by the film's crew for scenes after the twister passes through. And the town later rebuilt the downtown area and also kept the new fire truck that was used in the film as their own. I think it's so fascinating. Well, first of all, they, they demolished a real town, sounds like, yep. right? Because it was yep. like, yeah. And then they built 30 fucking homes just to be destroyed. Yep. The stuff we kind of take for granted in movies that goes into the production of this shit, like, and that's, that's nothing compared to some movies that build like entire towns just for a I movie. Know. It's like, I don't know. That's just always and the money? impressed me. Yeah. The money and it's like crazy. the man hours, the labor, like all of it. It's just crazy. Just to make it look like a real destruction. Like let's build this and then break it. Yeah. How did they break it? Did they pull up like a giant fan to act like a big tornado or? They're like, someone's going to know that we demolished this with a bulldozer and not wind. <laughs> I don't know. That stuff fascinates me. Yeah, me so, too. Also, after Bill Paxton died in 2017, the Spotter Network choreographed 200 storm chasers to spell out his initials with their GPS tracker blips <laughs> on a radar display to honor him. Wow. Because of his significant role in this movie. And this kind of tribute had been only done five times before. And it was the first time that it had been done for someone who wasn't an actual storm chaser. Damn. So I guess they do this in the real nerd community. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But they did it for Bill Paxton as well. That's uh, quite the honor for old Bill Paxton. Yeah. I can't, I can't even picture his face right now. (gasps) Oh no. You got to bring it up and look at it. I'm looking at him. So he was in, um... Men in Black, right? He's the one that gets taken over by like the cockroach alien. Oh, fucking say no more. I got it. There it is right there in my head. Yep. It's funny. I've talked about this with someone recently, but like I haven't seen Men in Black in 20 years or more. But like (laughs) that scene of him drinking Mm -hmm. the salt water is like 
so clear oh. in my head, you know? It's funny how, like, yeah. I could watch a movie, like a new movie yesterday and, like, barely remember it today, right? Forget it, yeah. But I can same. watch Men in Black 20 years ago and have it right there in my head. Yep. Life's funny, Dr. Shiloh. It sure is. Should we segue for the next hour or so just to talk about how life is funny real quick before we get back to the list? Um, sure. Yeah, we got time for that. No worries. Nah. All right. You're doing well. Doing well. Why don't you uh, give a quick recap of where we stand right now? Sure. We have Twister at number four. We have Don't Look Up at number five. San Andreas at seven and Earthquake at eight. I'm glad you got that one because I thought that would have to be one that I Earthquake? would have to. I'm a top 10 list guessing expert. I know, I know. And that was a great little bonus episode that you guys did. Uh, Yeah, we should do that again. It's been a while. It would be an event. Yes, indeed. What is another disaster movie? Titanic wouldn't count, right? So Titanic, I think it was number one on this list originally when I took out anything that... I should have told you too, like if there's anything with like an airplane or a boat... There's like no mechanical failure, like accident involved. It has to be because of a storm or a natural disaster or something like that. How about a giant ass fucking iceberg? I toyed with it, but then I was like, wah, wah. I don't want Titanic to just be at the top of this list. No one thinks of it for that. Okay. You're right. (laughs) So no, no. All right. So I'm moving into the 2000s now. Day After Tomorrow was 04. What about other types of disasters? Okay, so there's tornado. I don't think there's more tornadoes on here, is there? There are no more tornadoes. Earthquake and volcano, I'm going to guess, are included. Hmm. There's no more earthquake on here. No more earthquake. Okay, but there is volcano. Right. There's a movie called Volcano Nick. What? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Don't what me. Volcano is so good. Well, I'm not convinced you're not making this up yet. I need to see... 1997, Tommy Lee Jones, Los Angeles. Hmm, I've never even heard of this. Oh, man. It's hotter than hell is the tagline. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. They had two taglines. So it was that one. And the other one was, the coast is toast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know which one I like better. I don't know. They're so good. Okay, so this is number four on my list. Okay. Let me tell you about Volcano. So Volcano came out in 1997. There are actually many movies named Volcano when I looked it up, but there's Hmm. only one that matters, and it's this one. So it stars, again, Tommy Lee Jones and Heche, again, rest in peace. Rotten Tomatoes doesn't really agree with me. 49% here. Hmm. Ouch. Plot. (laughs) This is crazy. So basically, a massive earthquake. You're familiar with La Brea Tar Pits? I mean, it sounds familiar. Remind me. So there's a a museum around it, but we have in smack dab, the middle of like West LA, this big, if you were just driving by, you'd think it was a pond. And it is a pond, but in this pond bubbles up tar (laughs) (laughs) from an era long ago. (laughs) It's super cool because you go, you can kind of smell, you can see the tar kind of washes up on the edges of the water a little bit. In this film, what they do is a massive earthquake starts off sort of rocking the area of Los Angeles. So then they have an emergency management team of L.A. headed up by Tommy Lee Jones help with the city's response of this earthquake. But a geologist, Dr. Amy Barnes, who is Anne Heche, 
discovers that actually what's happening is that there's a volcano forming where the La Brea tar pits are. So it's forming in the sewer tunnels and then essentially another what they think is just earthquake, but it's associated with a Mm. volcano happens and it unleashes this lava flow through the tunnels of the subway and through the streets of Los Angeles. So the whole film is they're trying to figure out how to divert this lava flow away from homes and to get it to go to the ocean from West LA. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Is this ringing a bell at all? No, I haven't seen this. No. Oh, it's so good. I get, yeah, that's probably what they would really do though, right? They divert lava flow into the ocean. Yes. Which seems like it has its own perils involved, but. Yeah, but it's trying to channel it through which major street? Do we send it down La Brea or Robertson? And how do we do that? (laughs) And you're going to need some really thick fireproof gloves to handle that lava. Yes, you are. Mm -hmm. The reason I love this film, again, it takes place in Los Angeles. It sort of puts yourself in the shoes of the community. And I think it's interesting because speaking of community, this film addresses some things that movies, disaster films really don't have time for. And it's what types of responses would certain communities get in an Mm. emergency if Mm, it's, you know, communities of color or low income and how neighbors kind of come together to help people help each other out. Those are some really cool scenes, actually. So I like that. But far and away, the best scene of this film is when there's an underground subway worker trying to rescue people from a subway that's now trapped because of the earthquake, but now the Mm. lava flow is coming. He's on on the subway. He has the last person in his arms. I think it's the the subway engineer who's passed out and he needs to pass him off to a rescue worker. And he steps into the lava to sacrifice himself to toss this guy to someone else. (sighs) And just the lava starts eating him from the feet on up and it's crazy so it takes him (laughs) it takes him when you said it i'm like i'm trying to figure out like what would happen would you just lose your leg would you sink but he's gone right lava swallows his legs are melted into lava it's awesome (laughs) who is it tommy lee jones (laughs) no it's not tommy lee jones it's another guy that's like in freaking everything Tommy Lee Jones, like, he already is scowling and grumpy a lot. But imagine how grumpy his ass is when he's got to save people in a volcano eruption. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so any more volcano? No more volcanoes, no. So what else is there? There's, oh, hurricanes? Tsunamis? Yes, there is one with a tsunami. Let's start with that one. And this one might be a little bit more... Indie film obscure. Is it recent? 2012. Um, man, I can't think of it. You might just have to give it to me. Yeah. So this one's called The Impossible. And this was one I had not mm. seen either. Not ringing a bell. So this is based off of the tsunami that hit Thailand and Sri Lanka the day after Christmas in 20, or 2004. So I don't know if you remember that huge worldwide event. Now that is an event. Dot, dot, dot. Thank you. An event exclamation point. Yeah, even better. Yeah. So uh, let me tell you about the film a little bit and then we'll talk about the actual events. But real quick, what number was it? So this is number two. Two. Number two. Yeah. So 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. You can find this on Amazon Prime. And it stars Naomi Watts, 
Ewan McGregor and a very young Tom Holland, who was phenomenal in this as like a 12-year-old kid. Yeah, I'm reading here. It's his film debut. Wow. He was so, so good in it. But yeah, I had not seen this either. This kind of was not in my purview at all and very different than these sort of tropey, campy films here. So the plot in December 2004, close-knit family Maria, Henry, and their three sons begin their winter vacation in Thailand. But the day after Christmas, the idyllic holiday turns into an incomprehensible nightmare when a terrifying roar rises from the depths of the sea, followed by a wall of black water that devours everything in its path. Oh, God. The critic consensus, good screenplay isn't quite as powerful as the direction or the acting, but with such an astonishing real-life story at its center, the impossible is never less than compelling. Right. I mean, this happened in 2004. I don't, what, were you in like elementary school or something? Do you remember? 2004, <laughs> I, was in, I was in middle school, ma'am. <laughs> no, I was like 15, yeah. Well, I, I remember I was actually working patrol this night when it happened. Oh. And for us, it was nighttime. And I remember it was a very quiet night. <laughs> I was sitting at the local Walmart in my patrol car. As one does. Listening to the radio, mm-hmm. as, as one does. And I remember the news account starting to come in in real time about what was happening on that in Thailand and Sri Lanka area. And it was devastating because you just kept hearing like these numbers and tolls of oh, yeah. probably what they estimated as dead. Let me tell you about the actual event, the 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake and tsunami, also known as the Boxing Day tsunami, occurred at about 8 a.m. local time on December 26 with an epicenter off the west coast of northern Sumatra, Indonesia. It was an undersea megathrust earthquake Mm. that registered a magnitude of 9.1 to 9.3. And then a series of massive tsunami waves grew up to 30 meters, which is 100 feet high. (sighs) Fuck. Can you imagine? No, I can't. I don't think there's anything scarier than seeing a 100-foot wave coming to you. No, no. So it, it headed inland. Basically, it happened in the middle with like Indonesia and Thailand here and Sri Lanka here. And it was just everything in its path. So communities around the surrounding coasts of the Indian Ocean were devastated. And the tsunamis killed an estimated, oh, my God, over 200,000 people oh, in 14 countries, making it one of the deadliest natural occurrences in recorded history. Wow. The earthquake was the third largest ever recorded, the largest in the 21st century, and had the longest duration of faulting ever observed between eight and 10 minutes. Wow. It's just, wow. I I forgot just how huge it was. Yeah. It also remotely triggered earthquakes as far away as Alaska. God damn. Yeah. So it's just a horrific event. And this movie is rough in a lot of ways. Yeah. But, you know, there's, sort of the event itself and it's not like these ongoing events so it's more of like the family's journey trying to find each other again and you don't know if they're going to be okay and all of those things and injuries and just survival really yeah in a third world country yeah Yeah. and that's the other thing is like these tourists that like this isn't even they don't speak the language they don't know where they are and now they're having to fight for their survival that's intense It is. It's really intense. I think it's one of those where, you know, you think you could kind of put yourself in those shoes like, oh, Mm -hmm. maybe we've traveled for Christmas before and going somewhere else. And the last thing you're expecting is some horrific disaster like this to happen. I mean, who who plans for that? Well, we do know that you literally do plan for that. In fact, (laughs) well, 
I'm going to now for sure. Yeah. Disasters outside of the country. Okay. Something else to add to my list. Do you bring your like go bag when you're traveling? No, I don't have a go bag when I travel. I, I have one in every one of my cars, but yeah. no, I don't have one when I travel elsewhere. But I mean, I already have my luggage right there. I thought you were a true prepper. Probably have what I need. You have solar power and lanterns and shit in your no, luggage? No, I don't. <laughs> no, I do. Okay. Oh, all right. More luggage to let add. You got to work on that. Psst. Want to skip ads like that in the future? Go to tennispod.com slash plus. Sign up and you'll never hear an ad on Tennis Podcast again. Okay. You still have to guess number one, number three, and number nine. Oh, I don't have one yet. You don't have one. I might need some hints, though, for the rest of okay, these. Okay, so let me tell you the types of disasters we have left. We have comet. comet. We have a storm. And we have a, I'm going to say landslide slash tsunami. And that'll probably be the hardest one for you to get. Okay. Is the storm, there was, I never saw it. There's like a movie called Poseidon. <laughs> It's like a ship, oh. <laughs> shipwreck movie, I think. So that's, that is not it, but Poseidon ranks number 17 on this list. Okay. So the storm one, um, storm is in the name of storm the Storm of the century. Nope. This one has a pretty big cast. It's from 2000. Good cast. And storm is in the name. Yes, it's a real life event. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch are in it. Marky Mark. Not the funky bunt. Mark Wahlberg's in it. I cannot think of it. The perfect storm. The perfect storm. Okay. Haven't seen it. Nick, you have not seen Okay. If I re recommend anything, watch The Perfect Storm. Anything ever? No, well, anything on this list. That's your recommendation. You get one recommendation for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say the perfect storm if you haven't seen it. Okay. And tell me what you think. So this is number nine on this list. This is number three on my list. So, top three for me. Okay. So, this is from 2000, again, starring George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, Diane Lane, John C. Riley, Mary Elizabeth <sighs> Mastrantonio, John Hawks. Just a ton of great actors, but just great characters in this, too. It only gets a 46% from Rotten Tomatoes. The plot, again, based on a true story. The film tells of the courageous men and women who risk their lives every day working, pitting their fishing boats and rescue vessels against the forces of nature. Their worst fears are realized at sea on Halloween of 1991 when they're confronted by three raging fronts, which unexpectedly collide to produce the greatest, fiercest storm in modern history. Mm. So basically, three storms come together. They have gone out on their fishing boats to get that one last, last catch of the season. Big mistake. Yeah. Tagline, I guess it's like not so hilarious with a real story, but the tagline is in the fall of 1991, the Andrea Gale left Gloucester, Massachusetts and headed for the fishing grounds of the North Atlantic. Two weeks later, an event took place that had never occurred in recorded history. An event took place, you said? An event. They could have just summarized that whole thing by saying an event. But a two-line tagline is kind of long. So that tagline is a little more ominous, but it's not as catchy as the coast is toast, you have to admit. It is not. It is not. Yeah. I mean, there's so much you could do with taglines. I wish that was my job. Just making up taglines <laughs> for disaster films, and I would be so happy. 
The critics say that while the special effects are well done and quite impressive, this film suffers from any actual drama or characterization. Hard disagree to that. How is there no drama when there's a fucking storm killing people? It's that. You also have like this U.S. Coast Guard rescue happening. It is great. I think, um, again, I know I've said that probably for every single film on this list. But again, it's one of those. It's more of a like cozy up on the couch and watch (laughs) watch this film on TV. Do you know which streaming platform I can watch this on? Great question. I don't know why I didn't write that down for this one, but no. It's okay. I know it's your first time bringing a list. You'll get better in time. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's on Hulu for anyone listening. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Okay. So you got two left. You have number one, which is actually a foreign film. So I think this is going to be tough. I had not heard of it. Well, then I definitely haven't heard of it. But then you also mentioned one. I want to go back. You said something about when we were talking about getting alerts on your phone of like, hey, we're going to ship you off to somewhere because you're being saved for humanity. Did was there a certain film you were thinking about that we haven't mentioned yet? Because that happens in this one, number three. So when I when I said that, I was thinking of Don't Look Up. Oh, okay. Because that happens in that movie. But let me think for a minute. Give me like a year or an actor or something. Okay. So this one was in 2020, which I think a lot of us oh. missed it because, you know, people were actually dying. Yeah. <laughs> it stars Gerard Butler, who we love saving the world. Gerard Butler. Okay. That's... um. Oh, God. So I didn't see it, but I I remember seeing Mm -hmm. trailers for it. Also for a comet. It's about to hit Earth. It's not Atlas Falls. I think that's the White House, right? Right. (laughs) I can't think of the name, but I'll remember it as soon as you say it. It's called Greenland. Greenland. Yes. Yep. Greenland. I think it did sneak by a lot of us. It's number three on the list. It got a 73 on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty good. It is available to stream on HBO Max. Stars Gerard Butler and released again in 2020, which is why many of us have never heard of it. So John Garrity, he is his character. He and his estranged wife and their young son embark on a perilous journey to find sanctuary as a planet-killing comet hurls towards Earth. And as the countdown to the global apocalypse approaches zero, their incredible trek culminates in a desperate and last-minute flight to a possible safe haven, which in this film is in Greenland. Uh. Critics say, beware comets of Greenland. Gerard Butler is here to protect Earth and shows audiences an improbably entertaining time. So I had high hopes for this because it was on the list. It was one I had not seen, so I watched it this week. And Nothing. meh, meh, it's okay. Really? Okay. Yeah. Like, it sounds when, good. You know, the problem with a comet is that it's all about just like impending doom for so much of the movie. I want to see the disaster happening. And mm. really with a comet, you don't get that till the very end. Yeah. Don't look up like that. I'm sure others yeah. that we could think of. I, I kind of like that. Uh, I like both. I like I like seeing the destruction up front, and I like saving the destruction till later. Got it. I see. So this is, you know, this gave me vibes of our like zombie apocalypse movies or shows, which I do like, but where you are just kind of battling with other human beings a lot. And I don't need that so much Mm. in my disaster films. You know, we already have genres for that. We have zombies and others, horror. People are being shitty to each other and 
Now, that is based on a true story, though, or based on true events. What is? I'm just saying, like, people being shitty is a true thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, for sure. I don't know. It just had a lot of that, and it just was a lot of, like, them just trying to get to places. So there's also a sequel called Greenland Migration in Development, and the actors are confirmed to return, and the original director as well. So we'll see. That reminds me, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this since it's in the past, but when we were talking about Twister, I meant to bring up that there's a sequel coming out next year. What? Yeah. Look at that. That's crazy. Good. Yeah. What a twist. Same actor? Well, not Bill Paxton. Not Bill Paxton. If if Bill Paxton's in Twister 2, then that would be news. Damn. (laughs) That would be crazy. If either dug him up or he was never dead at all. (laughs) But we won't go there. Um, So... Yeah. Number one is a foreign film. I will never guess it. That's okay. So this one is called The Wave. It is a Norwegian film from 2015. It it has an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. You can rent it on Amazon Prime Video. The plot is a Norwegian geologist and his family fight for survival when a massive landslide causes a 250-foot tidal wave. Critics, consensus, well-acted and blessed with a refreshingly humanistic focus. The Wave is a disaster film that makes uncommonly smart use of a disaster film cliches. I really love Norwegian crime dramas, so I thought I was going to, like, this was going to be the jackpot for me. Like, okay, there's something about their style that I really like. Disaster film. I wanted it to be better because it was so highly ranked, but it was a really slow build, super predictable throughout. Oh, and San Andreas isn't predictable throughout? Come on. <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> and it, the disaster had like an okay buildup. Like there needs to be a short time devoted to like just getting to know the characters up front. But you yeah. want a good buildup too to this happening. But I just wanted more time spent on the destruction. <laughs> I guess that's the, the end of all of it. That's up. what I'm learning about you <laughs> is you like the burning and death and destruction. And that's fine. I like that stuff too. But sometimes there's something to be said about the, uh, the human emotion reaction to the buildup Agreed. of this impending doom. It really has to hit the perfect balance. Sure, yeah. So I think a lot of these movies fall short in those areas. They spend too much time on one or the other. But you're right. It definitely is, is a, a tradecraft here of building the perfect disaster film. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Shiloh. I am right. Yes, yes. Right. Okay, right. it's your show. Yep. <laughs> So let me run you, guys, run you through, and then I want to tell you about the two that I have remaining on my list. Okay. So the list is number one, The Wave. Mm-hmm. Number two, The Impossible. Three, Greenland. Four, Twister. Five, Don't Look Up. Six, Volcano. Seven, San Andreas. Eight, Earthquake from 1974. Mm-hmm. And nine, The Perfect Storm. My number one was San Andreas. My number two, which I'm so sad you didn't even guess it, Armageddon. Armageddon. I fucking hate that uh, movie. I'm sorry. What? what? <laughs> is it a chick movie? Is it a chick movie just disguised as a disaster I film? I think so. But like I saw it when it first came out. I was like 11 years old. So maybe <sighs> I'd like it now. But dude, go back and watch it. Bruce Willis. Ugh. No, 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 no. Okay. You already gave me your one recommendation. It's the perfect storm. I know. I know. I, I still hold to that for sure. But okay. Armageddon's phenomenal. Number three for me, Perfect Storm. Number four, Volcano. Number five. So this was the other one 
that, so this came out the same year as Armageddon, also about a comet, and that was Deep Impact. Oh, Deep Impact. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Very different from Armageddon. Morgan Freeman is the president, yet again. (laughs) Always. But you can't go wrong with that. For me saying, like, I don't like comet films because the destruction's at the end. I do have two on here. So Armageddon and Deep Impact. Oh. Classics for me. When you said you didn't like Comet films, I thought you meant like the house cleaning product, Comet no, brand. No, no. Oh, you meant Comet's hitting Earth. Okay, that makes Correct. so much more sense. Yes, okay. you know, the buildup and all that. Okay. Yeah. Six for me was Dante's Peak. Seven was Don't Look Up. Eight was 2012. And Twister comes in at nine. I like your list better. Thank you. Other than Armageddon. <laughs> oh, man. So my personal favorites of those I've seen. Yeah. My number one would be, I like Don't Look Up a lot. Okay. Yeah. That certainly was different and it was refreshing to have something kind of funny. It might be recency bias too, because it's the one I've seen most recently. Yeah. I have a little, I don't know, not a fun fact, but a fun thing. What I did is I reached out to Brad from Doomsday Podcast. And asked him what his favorite disaster films were. So he said that his all-time favorite is The Day After from 1983. He said it was made for TV and it was only shown once because it was so realistic and psychologically horrifying that it freaked people out. That's a quote by him. (laughs) I got to see this. So if you find it, I couldn't find it. Please send it to me because I want to see how horrifying it was. The Day After? The Day After. Oh, I see it here on Wikipedia. So it's the original from 1983, and it was made for TV. More than 100 million people watched the film. A fictional war between NATO forces and the Warsaw Pact over Germany that rapidly escalates into a full-scale nuclear exchange. Okay, so this is a natural disaster. Brad. So Brad did not get the assignment, but that's okay. (laughs) Or maybe someone didn't (laughs) tell him the assignment properly. I know. That could totally be it, too. Um, He also loves Contagion, which, again, Mm, we took off the list. And then he said the original Poseidon Adventure is on his list as well. And he loves Twister, too. So Twister was on there. So I knew I had to involve Brad. He's my favorite of all of your guest sidekick hosts. So My favorite, too. He's best. (laughs) I wish I was with Brad today. Couldn't happen. (laughs) Wow. Jeez. Just kidding. Thanks. He's on the schedule to be back again soon. So. Everyone will get more Brad. Yeah, Brad's great. But I knew I had to get his two cents because he's also a little bit of an expert in this area. You might say, yeah. Uh-huh. Also, RIP Rat Solo Rat for anyone that remembers (laughs) that. Well, Dr. Shiloh, thank you for bringing your list and bringing your first list. How'd how'd it go? How How did you like this versus guessing? You know what? It was great. I actually think I like it a little bit more. It's again, harkens back to me wanting to be in control of more things. So Mm -hmm. it felt better. I felt like this list picked me. It was a good first experience. So the perfect storm, you might say. The perfect storm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) Thanks for having me back though. This was fun. Yeah. This has been a disastrously good time. We will for (laughs) sure have you back again someday. But in the meantime, since you're here, we got to let people know about your podcast again. I rave about it all the time. It's the LA Not So Confidential podcast. It's among my favorite true crime podcasts out there. Although lately, you guys are kind of getting into, I'll call it less obvious territory, right? Like the most recent one I listened to was the hoarding episode. And that's not something the average person thinks of when they think of 
you know, the stuff you would cover on your podcast. So I appreciate that. But anyway, I will stop and let you give a quick plug. We do two very, I would say, like traditionally psychological episodes a month where you're going to get that forensic psych, that psychological concept or topic or diagnosis like hoarding. And then we find crimes that are associated with that and talk about those after we give you all the research behind the phenomenon or the disorder. And then once a month, we also do more of a historical take with a vintage crime, usually out of Los Angeles. And then we also once a month do a review of a true crime documentary. They're a lot of fun. And we do a live stream once a month on a Saturday. So feel free. You can always join us for that on YouTube. Check them out. LA Not So Confidential. There's going to be a link in the show notes of this episode. And yeah, Dr. Shiloh, uh, one of my favorites. Thanks so much for coming back on. Awesome. You guys are one of my favorites too. We love you, Brandon. And I'll see you next time. Thank you everyone for listening. I'll be back next week with episode 198. My friend Alex Johns will be back for that episode. And he too will be bringing a list. So join me for that. And until next time, I'm Nick. She's Dr. Shiloh. This has been Tennis Podcast. Or the perfect storm, you might say. It's been an event, everyone. I don't know. It's an event. I'm trying. All right, goodbye. <laughs>